there's a lot of reasons why a lot of people focus on too many things and end up doing nothing. It's because they, they haven't carved out their niche. The road of an entrepreneur is guaranteed to be askew, and there are always big questions to overcome. How are tech founders bootstrapping their way to the top while spending money from their own pockets? How do they scale a startup that is primed for a successful exit, yet still remain profitable? These are the types of questions that this podcast will help answer, and it will shine light onto the livelihood of entrepreneurs, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the dirt in between. My name is Jim Barnett. And welcome to The Dirt. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Dirt. My name is Josh Tapp, and I'm actually not your host. I'm here to interview your host, Jim Barnish. We're so stoked to have him here today. So Jim, first off, say what's up to everybody, and we'll hop in, man. Hey, what's up, everybody? Excited to get this podcast rolling, and uh, hope you guys are in for a treat. (laughs) They are. They should be excited about this. (laughs) We're getting the, the the dirty side of things here with uh, with Jim, but no, I mean, really, really, when we get down to to the dirt, and we use that kind of as the title here, Jim, you know, is is it's really kind of going back to the grassroots. Your company being Orchid Black, it's all around you know building off of a strong foundation, which you guys have built using your company and and with all of your your business experience. And those of you listening to the show, I mean, that's why we're here today is to really dive deep into it into this three part interview. We're going to be really seeing you know, where Jim came from, why he's here, why the podcast is here, what we're trying to do here with the company. And I'm just excited to be here, a part of it, because I'm way excited for what Jim is doing over there at Orchid Black. So Jim, let's kind of kick this off first by by having you bring us back to your very first entrepreneurial experience. So the question with that one is how, how old were you when you had your first business? Oh, geez. So I, uh, I like to think of entrepreneurial experiences through a couple of lenses, right? One is what people think being an entrepreneur is. And the other is what being an entrepreneur actually is, which is really the dirt, right? Which is kind of why we exist on this podcast. And the things that made me first think I was an entrepreneur, right? First lemonade stand at age six or seven, right? Typical, right? I think but <laughs> mine was mine was tea, lemonade and Kool-Aid stand, if that stands for anything. But um, yeah, I catered, I catered to everyone. <laughs> but then there were, uh, you know, inventions during my middle school years. Don't worry, you know, probably haven't heard of any of those. Um <laughs> And, um, you know, time spent in my family business in the high growth years, seeing the business grow really pretty exponentially. But, but aside from, you know, those so-called failures as a middle school inventor, if you will, um, that wasn't really what being an entrepreneur is because the roadblocks, the obstacles that I experienced were pretty, pretty minimal, right? I made, made okay money <laughs> at the Kool-Aid stand or the lemonade stand. I, you know, the family business was kind of already rocking and rolling by the time I got there. So the entrepreneurial hard stuff had already been done. But in reality, the first actual entrepreneurial experience might sound a little crazy was when my parents got divorced at the age of three. And I had to navigate all kinds of crazy complex partnerships and relationships and, and do all the complex things that entrepreneurs need to navigate oftentimes on their own. Um, or when my mom held me back a year because I was skipping so much school in the eighth grade due to my innovation interests <laughs> that were just not being taught in the classroom, that um, I ultimately, you know, no matter the consequences, was just like an entrepreneur, really kind of navigating my own journey. And 
when we think about that from a business-minded context um, in my journey, it was really when I left a, a big three cushy consulting job because I simply couldn't take the slow-moving culture and the and 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 all the things that came with that particular role at that particular company. And and I ended up starting a consulting business on my own, right? That had lots of failures of its own. But the the lessons learned turned into another consulting business and the successes and failures from that business ultimately led me here to Orchid Black. And so, you know, when I think of being an entrepreneur, it's that pain and that grit, that that sweat and that heartache, the the dirt, if you will, that you have on your own. And once you learn to master that and fall in the dirt seven times, get up eight and be honest about the failures along the way, then you're an entrepreneur. The rest is just starting and scaling a business. That's actually the easy part. It's kind of crazy to think about. <laughs> well, and, and I love that analogy. And I just kind of have to highlight this point because you know a lot of people enter the entrepreneurial realm and they're like, they're hearing stories like like mine or Russell Brunson's or yours. And we're like, we're like second, third, fifth generation entrepreneurs. Yeah. We're kind of, it was just trained to us, right? And we had our lemonade stands, we washed windows, we mowed lawns or what have you. And they're like, well, I never did any of that. I've never had a business before. But the truth of the matter is, is, is like you're saying, it's it's not about how many businesses you started. It's it's that creative juices that kept flowing to help you resolve problems that you know, came from, from your life circumstances. So I, I love that, that you said that is the dirt. So I do want to expound on that a little bit more and say, you know, you mentioned kind of, you just kind of briefly touched on it, but you know, like your parents uh, divorce or different things like that, right? Those, what were, what were kind of those defining moments for you where you knew, Hey, I've got to be the one to solve these problems or learn to manage these problems. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't really understand where you're at without learning where you came from. And I'd be lying if I didn't say, you know, those personal um, areas of opportunity, we'll call them around my parents' divorce and, and learning from that on how to start and, and build good relationships from the start from, you know, some that might not have been the best that I learned from. Um, all the way through, you know, navigating those same types of relationships in the corporate environment. <laughs> I mean, you know, no job is perfect and no career is is untarnished from some discussion or some, you know, relationship. But at the end of the day, there are so much BS that exists out there in personal and business relationships due to not just admitting and understanding and being transparent about the dirt that um, I spent a fair bit of time trying to navigate those political landscapes, both at home and on the job. And I was just done. Like I was done. I, it, it was so exhausting. The thing I was spending more time, you know, driving political capital than I was actually creating value. And, um, and everyone around me was doing the same. And so, you know, once I finally started to accept kind of my dirt, right. And, and learn from where, where I had grown from, um, that's really what transformed me into being a much better leader and in relationship person all around entrepreneur. Right. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's the high level of it. (laughs) Well, and, and I do think that that's, that's cool. I hope people are listening to that and, and internalizing that because, that really is the crux of what entrepreneurship is. And so, you know, moving on from the, from, you know, your childhood, things like that, you know, like the big question of the day is, is why consulting, not e-commerce? Why not coaching or why not an agency? Like why, why'd you land on consulting? Yeah. um, Well, first off, I think there's probably a million things that it could have been, but um, there's a lot of reasons why 
a lot of people focus on too many things and end up doing nothing. It's because they, they haven't carved out their niche. Right. And so I think, you know, for me, it started with not only where is the opportunity, but what, what am I great at? And, um, from my years in the family business at the ripe young age of 15 or seven year old lemonade stand driver, you know, whatever it might be until today, I have spent the, the better part of the last two decades working as a, a founder, an operator, an investor, and a consultant in or around technology-related companies. And a lot of different roles, a lot of unique experiences. But throughout the years, you know, whatever the experience was, I had an incredible amount of hard work and an incredible amount of failure that was coupled around no matter what the role was in or around the business, um, that was coupled around growth stage technology companies and all running into the exact same obstacles, right? Um, it was, you know, growth stalled at 5 million or 10 million or maybe 50 million in revenue. Churn was increasing. Competition was passing us by, right? Founders or executives were spending so much time working in the business that they really weren't thinking about how to work on the business and grow it because you get stuck. Um, failed projects, failed expansions. I mean, you name it. And and when it came down to it, the offers that we received when it came down to exit or be acquired by a buyer were way lower than we expected. Um, and same thing if it was investment, right? Investment related. And and the the breakdown of it is that investors and buyers are discounting their valuations of companies for the same reasons that people are struggling operationally, right? These obstacles are discounting companies. And I eventually navigated my way through about 45 acquisitions on the buy side and about five exits at, you know, on the sell side as a founder, operator, or investor. Um, but ultimately, I felt like there just had to be a better way to get to these successes. And I spoke with my now managing partners, uh, Stephen and Howard, who are even more seasoned and experienced than myself and have had even greater successes and failures. And and would tell you the same thing. They ultimately felt the same way, as did every successful founder that I spoke to. And so, ding, 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 <laughs> big gap in the marketplace for a company that actually helps founders grow their business and creates big exits for them and with them. And so, in order to offer these founders, you know, what I really kind of only dreamed about having, and my founder, my co-founders only dreamed about having when we were starting businesses making businesses worth a lot more and exiting in a really creative and successful way. That's why we created Orchid Black. And we believe so much in the work that we do here that we take a large percentage of our fees as performance-based compensation, which really aligns our compensation with our clients or the, the founders that we partner with, their results. And that's what's fun, right? That's what's growth. And so you know, I'm not an e-commerce guy. I'm a technology B2B software guy that has a, a lot of experience in growing and building software companies. And so the best way that I can serve the most founders is by being a consultant to them. And the word consultant is, is you know, so uh, has so many different you know, connotations to it that I don't love to use it that often, but that's the industry. What we do is growth, growth services. And right. And so, you know, that's why, that's why consultant growth. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what I want to highlight with this too, is the fact that you're saying, you know, we're coming at this, you, can, you always like throw these little teasers. I'm like, man, we've got to highlight that. Cause that's, I mean, that's like one of your huge differentiators. The fact that you guys are willing to 
do a performance-based compensation, right? You're highly selective with who you work with. I've learned that here firsthand working with you guys is that you're, you're very selective with the clients you bring in the door. You know, most people are like, I'll take anybody who will come my way. But you guys have a crazy vetting process for bringing people through the door because you're ultimately partnering with them on growing this company. And when you, when you look at a lot of the consulting or coaching models, whatever you want to use, the fancy term of the day is that it's usually a fixed rate model and it ends up becoming, or maybe it's variable rate, but it's, it's difficult to track the metrics, but you guys are saying, let's come in, let's prep you for exit. So I really will dive into that in the next part here, but I'm, I'm excited to dive into that. And a lot of you guys are probably like, Josh, don't derail the train here. I want to hear this. Like, how do, how do they prep for the exit strategy? So we are going to talk about that here in future interviews, but Jim, I just kind of want to wrap this section up here by asking you, you know, what's, what, what's kind of that, that metric, that data from where you were to where you are now, you know, you've talked about having basically 50, um, you know, buys and sells as far as with the acquisition side or exit side, but what, um, Where's the data? What's the data at? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it took us a couple of years to, to really get humming, but we'll grow by more than 300% revenue this year, which is pretty huge for a services business. No joke. And an even larger jump in portfolio value. And that's, that's important um, and really awesome. But the growth that really matters most to me is, isn't just gauged in the dollar signs, right? It's, it's the growth in our team and the founders that we serve and I think what I'm most excited about is number one, we've grown the team significantly and some incredible rising stars have come up and in the ranks super quickly, um, created a ton of value and proved incredibly valuable to the founders that are in our growth program. That's awesome. Number two, as for the founders themselves, um, they're coachable and they're taking, they're growing themselves and, and they're not just their companies, but you know them as individuals and humans. And so proud to include a lot of founders in our growth program. And we've had some great wins, but you know, just one example is we were we were called into a B2B software company by a founder who had bootstrapped for about 10 years, built a really awesome business, but was flatlining. And he wanted to exit in the next year or so and spend his time, you know, just enjoying life. He kind of hit that milestone uh, in his career. And because his uh, new logo growth was flatlined and pretty low, the valuation was nowhere near what, what he had expected when he went out to market to sell the business. And so he came back and tried his usual channels to, to grow further and just was kind of stuck. And we were introduced to him. Uh, Orchid Black was introduced to him. And we ran our value creation process on the company in a few weeks. And within a few weeks, the founder had a roadmap on how to increase the value of his business over 50% in 12 months. And we actually killed those projections by exiting in seven months for 55% increase in value and a $36 million exit for the founder, which was incredible. And um, our team on the engagement grew so much, the founder grew so much, and Ultimately, the founder had an incredible exit, an incredible legacy, and we were along for the ride. And so that was just really great from an end-to-end outcome perspective. But 300% growth means that we're going to have to serve a lot more founders, and um, we're going to be putting the money right back in the business. And so I'm super excited about what the future holds in terms of metrics as well. If you love today's episode of The Dirt, make sure you rate it on your favorite platform. And if you really like this, go ahead and leave us an honest review. Thanks again for tuning in. 
to the dirt.